Story time. A friend of mine was a member of the 101st Airborne Division, one of the Army's most storied units in 2001. On September 11th, he and about 30 others from his unit went to the range to qualify on their weapons. They arrived just as the news reports came in that an airplane had flown into the World Trade Center's North Tower. But the details were limited, and they didn't think much of it. They got to the range and spent the next several hours getting fed information through calls on their flip phones. They heard that the South Tower had also been crashed into and learned that the planes weren't private planes, as many had assumed, but commercial airlines. The reports kept coming in. The Statue of Liberty, Camp David, the Pentagon, the Washington Monument. At different points, they'd been told that all of these places had been attacked. He described feeling like the situation was surreal. Everyone was worried, but it all seemed unbelievable. As they approached noon, they were waiting for the last few people to qualify before returning the post. Someone asked about plans for lunch, and someone else replied that he was going to try to get KFC if it was still standing. This got a laugh from the group, and it wasn't until later when the full scale of what was happening that day was understood that my friend was troubled about the laughter. He felt it was wildly inappropriate and felt a great deal of shame that he had laughed. My friend, if you're listening, and I hope that you are, you and your friends were doing what humans have been doing throughout the time and what we're going to think significantly about today, using humor to cope with tragedy. Hello, everyone. I'm Pete, and as always, I'm joined by my incomparable co-host, Melissa. Well, hello, everyone. Pete, I absolutely do this. Humor is my go-to coping mechanism, even when it is not necessarily appropriate. So I am definitely eager to dive into and to discuss this topic. Okay, okay. So how about I validate you and let Mm -hmm. you know that you're not alone? We all do this use humor in our lives to help us deal with tragedy or misfortune. Humor helps us deal with stress, making bad situations seem more bearable. Like your friend did on 9-11. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, as you know, he wasn't alone in using humor to offset the direness of the situation. Mm-hmm. The whole country was rocked by that event. Everyone seemed to be stumbling around in a daze uh, processing intense sadness and, and sorrow. And uh, I remember SNL came back on mm-hmm. and it was a turning point for the recovery of the nation. Mm-hmm. I totally remember that episode. Um, Juliana came on, right? It starts mm-hmm. off, they're honoring the first responders at Ground Zero who look rough. Because mm-hmm. they yeah, they did. Come from providing aid for, for, for an extensive amount of time. And then you had Lauren Michaels, the producer of SNL. He comes out, have a little parlay. At the culmination, he says, can we be funny? To which Mayor Giuliani does not miss a beat and says, why start now? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, at the time, you know, he was America's mayor, right? Uh, yeah. I, think, I think it was so important that that he was the one that got that first laugh, that he was, that he gave everyone 
permission like, to laugh again, right? She yeah. showed that he, he was the, the picture of the city's resilience, um, but, but he was saying it's okay. Yeah, I tell you, that's a word I was thinking of too. It was like permission to laugh again. It was like, as if the somberness had been cracked, you have like a little light starting to peek through that fissure. And right. to that end, I would like to say that I truly believe that, that humor is, is definitely coming up on the horizon. It is definitely starting to be looked at in the world for the value it adds. And I think we can probably credit the advent of positive psychology because it's definitely being studied more for sure. It's it's becoming like a real boy, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and we know from from the discussions that we had leading up to this that that humor wasn't always valued. Absolutely, it's like your one funny aunt at a family gathering. You are so glad that she's there because she's bringing light and levity. But come on, nobody is taking her seriously. No, no, they are not. But, but I'm the guy trying to get within earshot so that I can get through this thing uh, with a little bit of laughter. I, I do not doubt that. Not, not at all. I, you're probably doing the place card settings to make sure <laughs> you score yeah. the seat next door, right? So it's like we want to reap the benefits of humor, but there's still this vibe that we should keep it under wraps. It's not appropriate. And should you dare laugh when you should be crying? Well, there's going to be some pearl clutching going on around you. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, for all you, all you would be pearl clutchers, I will be happy to explain the benefits of humor. We can use it to make others feel happy. We can use it to build rapport. And as we've discussed, we can use it to deal with stressful situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And humor is linked to increased feelings of hopefulness and optimism and emotional well-being. And we all expect that, right? Like that makes sense. Sure. But, 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 but having a sense of humor also correlates to other strengths like wisdom and a love of learning. Mm. And it's even correlated with higher IQ and higher emotional intelligence, which is mm. our ability to mm. control our emotions and deal with others in an empathetic way. Huh. Well, and, and, you know, going back to positive psychology, uh, a sense of humor coupled with gratitude, hope, and spirituality are part of a suite of strengths that the positive psych guys call transcendence, uh, which help us forge connections to the world and, and, and give our lives meaning. Transcendence. <laughs> yes who doesn't want to be transcended very lovely i feel like i'm now on a mountaintop breathing fresh clean air well i find it interesting that the psych world seems to be the one lagging behind in regard to giving humor the credit that it's due because dude this is totally brain games here other facets of the medical community have been on board with leveraging humor for a very long time as early as the 1300s uh, there was a guy, Henri de Mondeville, oof, a professor oof. of surgery, and he used humor as a form of therapy for his patients after surgery. I am, I am not going to let that go by without commenting on that pronunciation. That was fantastic. Thank you. And the, and the actual French speakers, of course, that are listening are like, what yeah. Oh yeah. that? Yeah. Right. At, They're yeah. pearl clutching right now. At Melissa in your comments about the pronunciation. 
don't at me, boy. <laughs> no, but 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 your example makes me think of uh, of Patch Adams actually, which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which you know if you're around our age, you might remember uh, as a movie that Robin Williams was in, but but it was based on a real doctor. Yeah. And he incorporated humor into his practice. He he believed, uh, like your example, that uh, humor helps patients heal. And and I've never had my family doctor break into a stand-up routine, but some definitely see the positive influence laughing has on people. I think we're on to something here. We can have open mic night and like clinic appointments, right? Oh, think about, right. yeah, think about the the people that would line up for, for vaccinations at a at a, a comedy extravaganza right i don't think this cross-section has been had yet no i know there's like a cat cafe here like odd things have odder things have been parsed together so i think this for anyone who's an entrepreneur out there like this this is this is your this is your time strike while this iron is hot right that's yes. right, that's right. Yes. there's a okay. market for this there there's gotta be so <laughs> You say Patch Adams, I say Norman Cousins, Ooh, because okay. in seventh grade for extra credit biology class, we had the option to read Norman Cousins' Anatomy of an Illness. And you, you know that I did, because Melissa don't pass up my points. <laughs> it was one of the most influential books of my formative years. One that I have continued to reread, mm-hmm. to recommend, to buy for people until present day. That book is... It, it first called attention to the potential therapeutic effects of humor on somebody's health. And cousins believe that even if laughter wasn't producing specific biochemical changes, it opens you up to all those positive feelings like joy and hope and confidence and love. And it's blocking those deep feelings of, you know, like apprehension, panic that, that accompany serious illness or injury, which are going to affect how fast you heal. And he liked to say, if you can laugh at it, you can survive it. You know, it's funny that, that, uh, that he said, (laughs) right, right. Every time I say that's funny, let's have a little ding go off in the background. Ding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but he was talking about, uh, he didn't have proof of any biochemical changes. Um, but it does, but research does show that laughter has physiological benefits. So Norman Cousins, a tip to the hat to you, sir. Uh, in, in 2003, there was a study that used a functional MRI scan to monitor the activity of, of people's brains while they were being subject to images that were either funny or not funny. Mm-hmm. And, and what the scans revealed was uh, the humorous images lit up the brain's language processing centers, but also the reward centers, which oh. regulate the release of dopamine. Oh, 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 got it. Got it. Um, that's, yeah, it, sorry for the pause. I was thinking about little rats and like trying to press like the little lever for the funny image. That's all I, that's, that's what I was doing there in my brain. So was um, it, it wasn't Pavlov's thing. No, it was something else. Yeah. That's right. Right. It wasn't dogs salivating. No, it's la- It's rats laughing something. Yes. Um, okay. So now I see we're at the point of what have I read recently in research? Okay. So I, <laughs> I, I see your MI, MRI imaging and I up you. Yes, so I recently came across an article that talked about potentially using laughter as part of a protocol for treating the clinically depressed. So let's, let's be very clear. I'm not like, if you are very, 
you know, if you are clinically depressed, this is your answer. But the work that is being done explores the feasibility of using humor to try to reset the reward center, like you're talking about, of people's brains wow. to help them feel less depressed or anxious. So that coupled with, you know, the other normal protocols, I mean, this is what's being explored present day for sure. Sure. And I, yeah, it would, I would be stunned, honestly, if people weren't looking into a way to incorporate humor. Mm -hmm. um, it has such a powerful effect on our brain. Seeing something funny actually causes a response that's similar to the euphoria that's brought on by recreational drugs. Which is why those rats keep hitting that lever. I'm <laughs> that's There's something exactly here. It. <laughs> right? They're like, I will take a hit any way I can get it. Pow. Well, I've totally experienced this. Don't you, you just feel better after a good laugh, right? I do. Yeah. I mean, the morning after a rousing night at the comedy club, my abs hurt. Like I just got put through the paces at the gym. Well, yeah. And that's because when you start laughing, uh, your body responds in a way that uh, is very much like a cardio workout, right? Mm -hmm. Then within 10 minutes, your blood oxygen content goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the contraction of your your facial muscles and and your abs help to expend nervous energy and your your heart rate blood pressure and uh, the muscle tension uh, they've all been tested to stay at levels below normal for like forty five minutes after a person last laughs after they last laughed yeah the person who last laughs yes 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 yes. That was not laugh, which means they laugh best so oh <laughs> all right well all of you fitness tracker makers of the world it is time to add in a way of tracking calories burned from laughing because i want credit for what i'm doing during the day right not only for walking my steps but for for having a chuckle from a time to two so all right we got physical benefits check and we have really only skimmed the service on the psychological benefits of humor because as, as we're sort of getting to, we know that a good laugh can change the way you perceive your situation. Finding something funny gives you like a certain distance from it, mm -hmm. makes it appear a little less threatening. It can help you alleviate feelings of being overwhelmed. Yeah, make, making things appear less threatening, kind of like uh, in The Lion King when Simba says he laughs in the face of danger. Ha ha ha. Yes, it's been a minute since I've seen that, but I will take your word for it. Whatever you said there, yes, absolutely. I'm down with that. Yes. So this makes since we're 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 getting into this this part of this discussion here, this makes me think about the German term Galgen humor. So they came up with this term back in 1848 to refer to cynical humor brought on by difficult or stressful situations. You bring so much international flavor to this. You've got, you've got I try. You've got Henri earlier. You've got you had German in the last episode. Uh, yes. Galgen humor. Yeah. I am yes. not familiar with this term. Oh, you are. Listen, Galgen humor, gallows humor. Which is, um, it's gallows humor. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, I can hear, I can hear that. Sure. But okay. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that, that gallows humor is good for my mental health. Uh, so uh, yeah, you're going <laughs> to, we're going to, you're going to have to do some, some work to get me there. All right. Okay. All right. So gallows humor. Yes. So historically it has been a tool for those who find themselves in situations where they do not have the influence to improve their situation in life. 
So this specific type of humor gives people in otherwise hopeless situations some measure of control, like if not over their situation, over their reaction to the situation at least. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, talking about people in, in oppressive situations. So, I mean, <clears throat> I can't think of a more oppressed people than... Uh, than those that were held in concentration camps during World War II, right? I mean, that's yeah. the, that's like the extreme. Um, despite their terrible situation, right? They they lost loved ones. They were torn from their homes. They were they were pulled out of their jobs. They were malnourished. They were experimented on. They were mistreated. Mm -hmm. um, and death was a daily presence sure and 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 they still found the strength to laugh yeah strength i think is a really great way to phrase that but it might be it might be like the humor that gave them strength mm. versus you know strength to laugh the uh -huh. humor gave them strength to persevere mm -hmm. so uh, you hear you're gonna hear my non-multiculturalism here when i mispronounce this poor guy's name so there's a sociologist antonin Obdurlik? Ooh. You can look them up, right? Yeah. O-B-R-D-L-I-K. Sociologists said that gallows humor is an index of strength or morale on the part of oppressed people. I think that's so like profound. And then you have Viktor Frankl, right? Mm -hmm. He's the mm -hmm. one who wrote about his internment at Auschwitz. He wrote a memoir in 1946. He was describing humor as a way, um, it's, it's as one of the soul's weapons to transcend despair. So again, we have that, that theme of transcendence, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About his experience being interned at Auschwitz, he said that humor can afford an aloofness and an ability to rise above any situation. Wow, that's, that is such a powerful sentiment. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about you know, what they were experiencing, for him to express that, that it was laughter that allowed them to rise above their circumstances. It really, uh, it speaks to how, how humor helps to strengthen the resilience of the human spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And Italians, you know, your people, <laughs> yeah. they, are, they are renowned for recognizing the power that laughing at someone or something has and how making jokes can embolden the oppressed and make them more defiant when dealing with their oppressors. Okay, so they refer to it as, well, in Italian, here we go. <laughs> Una risata vi sepaperia? No, see, I'm gonna, I must be. Yeah, no, you're definitely yeah. getting mad for that one. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It translates to <laughs> it will be a laugh that buries you. Oh. It will be the laugh that buries you. Yes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That sounds very, uh, very Italian, actually. And, right? and I, can we get um, a graphic with a map and we can highlight all the countries that you're referencing at some point so we can just like. I think that would be, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think I prefer just to be that one aisle at the grocery store where they have international foods. <laughs> That's right. And you don't have to go down it if you don't want yeah, to, but you right. can and you find right. everything there. And yeah. you turn around and, oh, look at that. That's Czech. Oh, look at that. That's Italian. Oh, hey, there's some German. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I, but <clears throat> before we lose sight of what we're talking about here, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't just 
concentration camp victims that understood the power of humor. Mm-hmm. Humor was considered to be an act of will against the Fuhrer and the state of the Nazi government if it was, you know, if it was aimed at, at the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, right, not all humor, but yeah. The, the crime was actually punishable by death, right? The, the severity of it. punishment yeah. for a joke depended on how good the joke was. So the better, so if you made a really good joke mm-hmm. about the Nazis, and they found out you could be put to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the better the joke, the, the the greater the punishment. I believe it because it has a powerful effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually, so I don't know. You know, I don't have a lot of insight into this, but I I, I guess I'm going to challenge the idea that it was just humor against the government because I think that they were probably worried about humor at large because even dark humor perhaps even especially dark humor can be a bomb to your soul it can be like a rallying point because in order to get the humor you have to understand the situation you mm-hmm. you have to be experiencing the same circumstance or at least be very much in the know to like get the humor yeah no absolutely right and mm-hmm. and and you find in um special populations where there's uh, high levels of stress as a norm, you'll find dark humor uh, prevalent in those groups. Like I'm thinking the military, uh, police, firefighters, medical personnel. Um, yeah, they they use it to forge bonds and uh, they use it to like shield themselves from from the trauma they experience daily. Um, but it's but it's important for these groups while they're while they're engaging in that sort of bonding, uh, that they follow the social cues to uh, of of the situation around them. So, physicians might and do indulge in gallows humor amongst other physicians, uh, but it obviously would be inappropriate to do that in front of a grieving family member. Yeah, that makes sense. Context to include the role that you're playing at the time. Like, are you the doctor or are you the patient? Definitely yeah, matters. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, and I, as I'm thinking about this, I think we should probably take a moment to splice out perhaps two ways that gallows humor is used so we don't lump them together here and lose an important delineation. Because sure, yeah. I, I think that you have instances where we use gallows humor to laugh at life's tribulations, like our first responders and those serve a healthy purpose. And then you have these instances where people are using gallows humor as emotional defense. Like we're talking about the concentration camp victims who are desperately trying to deflect attention away from the reality of their unbearable anguish. And with the emotional defense, it's like you really hit bottom of the barrel. You're like straight out of recourses, straight out of resources. Yeah. Uh, You know, even, uh, even Freud was a big believer in using humor for, for good. Mm -hmm. Um, but he identified that humor could also be, be harmful. Yeah, that guy was was, uh, he was he wasn't all rainbows and kittens for sure. Um, mm-hmm. He was specifically talking about the the caustic forms of humor, like um, sarcasm. Sure. Uh, and and especially when it was directed at yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we veer into that self-deprecating type of humor. Other people don't recognize it or stop us. And why? 
Because think about it, when we're the benefactor of the humor, we often aren't thinking about whose expense it is at. I mean, after all, we're being entertained. Do I not entertain you? Yes. <laughs> but but certainly, I mean, you've been in situations, I know I have, where you realize that uh, you're like, oh, you know what? These these aren't funny anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like you can just, you can tell, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we've already established here that there's definite light and dark versions of humor, some more healthy than others. And some humor is because you really have no other way of coping and that situation is very dire, yes. Yeah, there's there's a uh, there's another researcher since we're on a roll with researchers today. A, a uh, cat that goes by the name of William Kahn, who uh, he identified five primary functions that humor serves, um, both for individuals and for groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are two that we've been discussing the last few minutes, uh, and those are coping with misfortune and reframing a situation. Um, but but I'd like to bring up the other three. Well, I gotta know now. Clearly. Yes. <laughs> what are they? Okay. So one of them, and, and this is one, I'm going to start with the one that I think is most unique mm-hmm. is uh, we use humor to express hostility, believe it or not. What? Um, yeah. You touched on this. Actually, you touched on it a minute ago. Okay. And you spoke of self-deprecating humor, right? Mm-hmm. Making yourself the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if the humor revolves around irony or sarcasm can be harmful to your psyche. Uh-huh. And, and if you see someone engaging in this sort of repetitive, negative self-talk, yeah. um, they're most likely feeling insecure and a kind thing to do would be to give them reassurance. That's definitely good, good advice. Yes. And I'd imagine that aggressive humor isn't limited to self-talk though, is it? Unfortunately, uh, and predictably, you're right. Um uh-huh directing that same that same irony or sarcasm at others will uh it'll strain relationships it'll it can escalate tension instead of instead of putting people at ease Mm -hmm. um and and this is the function where we find our socially unacceptable humor Mm -hmm. Uh, that would include jokes or comments that are racist or sexist or uh ageist or you know just down the line mm-hmm. um so they all fall into this category but really it really it encompasses any humor that's told at the expense of others mm-hmm. so we've been focusing on using humor to overcome adversity and in that case you're hu- you're using humor to cause adversity Ooh, yeah really. uh-huh. Yeah, I can only think of a few things more disappointing than hearing someone make a joke at someone else's expense because I'm like, you're not funny, dude. You're a jerk. There's yeah. a difference. No, for sure. Yeah, there's a huge difference. So, okay, so what's the next function? Okay, so the uh, so let's see. The next one would be to communicate with others, which you know on its face seems obvious, right. but there's there's a nuance to it. Okay. So let's say um, I'm moving to a new apartment, and mm-hmm. of course I want help yeah Uh, if if i communicate about moving in a way that that is predominantly complaining uh Mm -hmm. about being inconvenienced or the effort it's going to take i'm actually going to be discouraging anyone from helping me oh i 100 percent believe that because i don't want to come help you move and hear you kvetch about it all day long like i i just want to show up 
pull out my back, helping you move your futon, <laughs> get my slice of pizza, my very warm white claw, because it's been sitting in your fridge, which isn't on yet, and I want to get out of there. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you've uh, I feel like this is a, a, a recollection more than a hy hypothetical for you, but it's not like it happened just last weekend, Pete. <laughs> right. Yes. But, but but that's exactly why I want to use humor to right because it's going to put my friends at ease and make them more receptive to lending me a hand. Mm -hmm. And the, the way this works is joking about it indicates to them that I've, I've got things under control. And if they help me, I'm not going to overburden them. You know, they're not going to be doing all the work. Mm -hmm. but, but if I turn around and I lay the humor on too thick, right? If I make too much light of the situation, yeah, it sends them a message that I don't actually need any help. And I'm right back to discouraging their assistance. Oh, I get what you're saying now. Okay. So like, you got to be like this mental ninja that wields all these rules about humor. Like, right. no, right. Except we don't think about it. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're on autopilot when we're, when we're doing these things. So it's, it's not something that we necessarily have control over. Right. Which is probably why it's important to filter. This is a great matter. And you know, maybe give pause and think maybe even significantly about it. Like why exactly am I doing this? Like yeah. what, it, what would be the end result? Like think through it a little bit. Yeah, no, right, right. Some, some discretion sure. could absolutely go into the, into the, the mix when you're putting, uh, when you're, when you're putting messages together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this, this leads us to, to Khan's last function for humor. And that is to help us construct our identity with others mm -hmm. um being funny helps make us seem relaxed and fun loving mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but with just like with communication it requires a there's a deft touch involved mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. if you're too funny if you're if if all you are is funny then people will think you're immature or you lack depth so you've got to like there's a sweet spot in there you've got to stay in. Sure. What was that? You lack depth, you're saying? Yeah, depth, right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like you're you're definitely walking a tightrope in some of these scenarios and you don't even like realize it. But you gotta be like baby bear, man, not too hot, not too cold. Yeah. Yeah. So um this definitely ties into something that I was gonna bring up during this episode. There is something called the human styles questionnaire. Ooh. So yeah, this is a validated scale. It was developed by a guy named Rod Martin and his students at the University of Western Ontario, shout out to O Canada. <laughs> and basically if you take this, you can determine how you are using humor in your daily life. So you are given like various statements, like I enjoy making people laugh. And then you answer them and you get a score on four humor styles. Okay. So to sort of, Kind of, this goes hand in glove with what you were just talking about, the types of humor. So okay. these are the styles that you can come up with. You get attentive humor. That's when we're putting people at ease, right? I'm telling mm -hmm. a funny joke, a funny story. There's self-enhancing humor, which when I'm using humor to cope with stress, okay. turn myself up with it, right? This is like when I'm the patient and I get bad news and I'm like, well, uh, third one, here we go. Now we get dark, aggressive humor, which okay. is okay. what we touched on earlier, right? We're using humor to disparage, ridicule, manipulate someone else. Those racist, sexist jokes fall into that category. Mm -hmm. And then, just like you were talking about before, you've got that self-defeating humor. It's a tendency to amuse others, but at your own expense. 
And you know what is included in this? It's like when someone is teasing us and we laugh along because we're using our laughter, our humor to hide our true feelings from others. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, this inventory has been used in hundreds of studies. I found it to be a little bit enlightening. thought I would share it. You know, it would be fascinating. Could we, would it be possible to link that in our, put that up on our social media and let other people uh, go through the test themselves? Uh, yeah, we could totally make that happen. You should take it to Pete, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I, of course I will. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, I want you to put it up so I can take it, but I didn't want to be selfish about it. There'll be an N of one after this. Yes. <laughs> Big surge. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, what did you find? You said you said you found this enlightening, but what what about it? Like what lit you up about it? Okay, well, yeah. So perhaps I miscategorized it because I wasn't necessarily surprised at my results. Like I know that I use humor to put people at ease in diffuse situations. Basically, the more severe the situation, like the funnier I get. But I found a study after taking it that looked at the relationship between those styles and depression. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning about being this being used as in conjunction with other protocols as an additional modality to help with clinical depression. So what's interesting is that scoring high on those two positive humor styles has been linked with positive health outcomes. You're sure. happier, you have healthier relationships. And I mean, you can fill in the blanks here. You got the other hand, you got those negative humor styles. It's going to have a negative effect on your health. So so it's not laughing in and of itself that has the positive health benefits uh, as much as as what you're laughing at or 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 why you're laughing. Yeah, I think there has. I'm sure there has to be. Right, there's subsets of this. Absolutely, just laughing, haha, at someone you know slipping on a banana peel. Like, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. It's. Sure. I, I would agree with you. No, yeah, yep. that makes that makes sense. Well, you know, that's. We have, uh, we have covered a tremendous amount of ground here on this topic, don't you think? Yeah, and I know you're itching to go take that uh, humor. I actually <laughs> am. I'm actually dying to get on that. Yes. <laughs> what do you, hey, what do you say we wrap this one up today? Yeah, I think we, we definitely have enough to think significantly about, at least for a week. So uh, let's see, one week, that would take you right up to the next podcast. Right. As, as if I planned it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Part of my grand design. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you, our significant others. Please tell us what you thought about the topic, what we didn't cover, but should have, mm-hmm. uh, and what you'd like to hear us talk about next. And as we said, we'd be jazzed if you want to take that humor styles questionnaire. We'll have it posted to our social media accounts. Tell us if you were surprised by your results. What do you think? You can find us on the Insta and the Twitter at ThinkSigPod. We're also on Facebook if you just search for Think Significantly. Na, 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 na.